Well, hello there. I am super excited to have you join the Uplift Effect podcast today. I am Jill. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm just going to start off with something I never have done before. I'm going to tell you about a first date that I had many years ago and kind of break that down for you. So if you can imagine being at Starbucks on their little patio and meeting somebody that you have... um, texted with, you have talked to several times, and you felt sure that he would be safe enough and reasonable enough to meet in person during the daytime for just coffee. And really he was. I am embarrassed to sort of tell you that it was not the only date I had with this guy. Matter of fact, I dated him for several months. And I'll just go ahead and tell you the end. The Obviously, the relationship did not work out. And here's the punchline. How's this for a good story for you? The reason that we broke up, that things didn't work out, that I decided that we had a serious square peg round hole problem was obvious on the very first date. In other words, I backed out of this relationship with this guy for the very reasons that I had all the red flags and knew it on the first date that we ever went on. Yes, the one at Starbucks. And the one that I then continued to have another date with and another date with and another date with. And I'm going to explain to you what happened, why it happened, and give you some concepts that I see happen a lot in relationships. It comes out in some counseling that I do, coaching that I do. And I want to tell you about a book that has made all the difference in the world. So... Give me just a minute, let me do an introduction, and I am going to set the scene at a Starbucks cafe outside in those little metal patio chairs with my, uh, let's see, it's been so long now since I've had Starbucks, it is a flat white almond latte. All right, give me just a minute, I'm going to do an intro, and I'm going to bring you along on this date and see what you think. Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. This is Jill and I am the host and owner of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I transform moms from and children from chaos to calm. That is my calling. It is what I love doing. And you are going to hear evidence of the two things that bring me to this podcast. First and probably most importantly, I am a mother of four children. And while they are not all tiny anymore, I have three teenagers at home, which, oh my goodness. And I have one uh, young adult that is in college. But the other thing is I come to this with a background uh, as a grief and trauma therapist and have spent years helping families in crisis. And if you're wondering about the V formation, the birds, the logo, head on back to the very first episode. It's a very cool story. It is well worth a listen and it will help this all make much more sense. I am on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there. I also have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's how you're listening. But if you would like more information and how to work with me more directly to transform your chaos to calm, you can DM me through those avenues. Thank you so much for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast.
Okay, I'm back. So here we are. I am meeting this gentleman. Um, it was a day during the week because my kids were all in school. And like I said, I had chatted with him a few times. Seemed like a reasonable guy. And so we were meeting for coffee. I get my coffee. The, we head out to the patio. And we sit down in the little metal patio chairs they have there. And we sit diagonal. Uh, not across the table, but diagonal from each other. And... He sits down and immediately says, well, let me go ahead and tell you about myself and, and give you a little background in my life uh, so you just kind of know some things up front. Well, okay, sounds like a plan. So I sat there quietly and I proceeded to listen to him talk about his divorce that he had just gone through, the abuse that he endured um, from his wife. Uh, of course, it was only that direction from his wife to him and the story about his kids that he doesn't have and a huge multi-businesses that he had that were huge successes and then lost everything. And um, let's see, there was his upbringing, his uh, childhood that was very dysfunctional, uh, very abusive, very neglectful. And then he goes on to proceed and tell me about the sexual abuse he endured as a child. All on the first date there at Starbucks on the outdoor patio. And so I remember a little bit, maybe kind of towards the end where he might have asked something about myself. I made a comment about being in my last semester or so of graduate school, I think. But that was kind of it. And um, then time was up. I needed to get going. And he immediately wanted to plan our next date. And I was a little unsure. I mean, like I had a whole lot to digest in the midst of, of the past two hours of his story. Um, but I decided, okay, let's maybe go and meet for a run or something. So we set something very general up. And then I drove away, only to then 30 minutes later have him call me back and want to talk some more and tell me how much he enjoyed talking with me. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is it was a little bit too much, you know? Matter of fact, there was even a point in time in this conversation about the time where he was telling me about the sexual abuse that he endured. Oh, by the way, I was an intern working in sex abuse. So I was working with children who had been uh, severely uh, abused or molested. And so sexual abuse was not an uncomfortable conversation for me, but it wasn't a comfortable conversation for me at that point in a first date. So I found myself in my metal chair, like backing up, like, you know, scooting back. He was taking his metal chair and moving forward. So the farther I backed up, the closer he got. And I backed up and he came in closer. It was an interesting first date, let's just say. There were all kinds of things about it that I wasn't quite sure um, was appropriate. And, and yet at the time, I couldn't quite pinpoint exactly what my issue was. See, one of the other things about him is, is that he's very charismatic and um, he is, he was a funny guy. There were things that we did enjoy doing together. And I did appreciate about the way he saw some things in the world. But just for kicks and giggles, let's break down a few things that happened on that first date and ended up playing itself out in this relationship and see what happens. First of all, 
one of the things I should have realized at the very beginning was um, there were no boundaries as in I felt like this was a lot to be sharing with somebody on a first date. Matter of fact, it was a whole lot to be sharing with somebody on a first date. And I remember having my one of my early thoughts being, you know, like I would never disclose this kind of information to somebody that I didn't know. I'm merely a stranger to him. And that's a position that's kind of earned over time with trust in a relationship. He didn't understand that. Uh, <clears throat> red flag. Um... And then as he began to tell his story of divorce and, and, and all of that, it was an interesting uh, side of the story. There's always two sides, of course, but this was all victim mentality based. <clears throat> uh, yet another red flag. Um, all of the businesses that he built um, and were very, very successful. And yet then he lost every bit of it. That Again, another big red flag. There was, it was always about being the victim. Um, of course, then we had his childhood that was uh, very neglectful, very dysfunctional. And there was a lot of the same victim mentality. Another red flag. And then the sexual abuse and his willingness to just go into great detail with me on that. He had no idea, actually, I don't think at that point, what I was really doing um, as far as where I was interning and all of that. Another big red flag. So he also wanted to pinpoint and nail down exactly um, another time to meet because he was sure that we had great chemistry. I wasn't so sure that there was great chemistry so that was a red flag to me as well, because I don't know where he got the idea that there was great chemistry. All he did was talk and all I did was listen. Um, so let me switch gears a little bit. Many, many years ago, I came across this book called Safe People. And the tagline is how to find relationships that are good for you and avoid those that aren't. This is by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. I do not get paid one red cent. They have no idea who I am and I am in no way affiliated with them. But if Dr. Cloud and you and Dr. Townsend are listening, I would love for you to pay me for all of the advertising over the years I have done for this book because it's phenomenal. I have bought it for people. I have given it to people. I talk about it all the time and recommend it frequently. Um, it has this gentleman's name all in it now, <laughs> as well as other relationships that I have had that I wanted to keep notes of and, and remind myself to not repeat uh, mistakes from the past. So I want to give credit to the fact that some things I'm going to talk about here next are going to be from this book called Safe People. One of the things I want to say to you, number one, unsafe people are unstable over time instead of being consistent. That is really, really important. And what I want to focus on right here is time. T-I-M-E, time. The worst mistakes I ever made when it came to dating was that I thought that things needed to hurry or that I was in a hurry or that because of my age, maybe I was running out of time. There could be nothing farther from the truth. Time is actually the best judge of character. Who we are and what we do are absolutely related. 
Let me say that again. Who we are and what we do are absolutely related. Character can be completely hidden, but over time, it's going to leak out. So in other words, people can play a part for a little bit, but eventually true character begins to leak out. Over time, people tend to prove the truth of who they actually are. So what I want to express to you is that people who are in a hurry typically have something going on with that. I had to learn that there was value in time and why time was so important when it came to dating. Because see, the deal is, is that time allows us to witness behaviors and not just hear words. We need to see if this person is writing emotional checks that can be cashed. Like, are they writing checks that we could actually take to the bank and they're emotionally available, there is sufficient funds, or are they writing checks that there is actually no account even in their name? Here's another thing. Number two, unsafe people resist freedom instead of encouraging it. So in a healthy relationship, we are free to still be separate people. Healthier boundaries are established when we operate that way. When there is a we, but there is still a you and a me. The opposite of that is called enmeshing relationships. And it's where one person is actually swallowed up by the needs of the other person. And this is really, really important. You know you are in in an enmeshed relationship when one person feels threatened by the individuality of the other person and they seek to control them by manipulating or intimidating them. I think I need to repeat that. A person feels threatened by the individuality of the other and seeks to control them by either manipulating or intimidating them. An enmeshed relationship looks like this. Together, it is bliss for the one person and apart, it is hell for that person. They force importance on similarities and always having a we and they discourage differences. They are not comfortable with a you and a me. Healthy relationships understand that there is a we and there is a you and the me, and they can actually coexist. They're not intimidated by that concept. I'm going to switch gears for just a second. Something that I, that is not a part of this book, but I want to talk about something that is involving Why wounded people tend to attract other wounded people in their lives. We notice this phenomenon all the time. It's why we say, hey, you need to make sure that you come to the relationship healthy because you are going to attract what you are. Matter of fact, at the end of the Safe People book, there is a section on how to be sure you are a safe person. Well, why is that? Well, it's exactly connected to this idea of if you are a safe person, you are going to attract safe people. If you are not a safe person, you are going to attract 
unsafe people. But here's why. Wounded people will accept other wounded people in their life because their behaviors are more familiar and they're more comfortable with them. So here's some things that I have found uh, through personally and professionally that you will see very commonly with wounded people and the attraction that they then find other wounded people and how that kind of works with each other, okay? First of all, boundaries is a big one. Boundaries for a wounded person are intimidating. So they typically gravitate towards people who do not have boundaries themselves. Because when one person is trying to exercise boundaries and the other person is intimidated or agitated by that boundary, things don't go well. Second one, wounded people tend to uh, struggle with blame shifting and taking personal responsibility for things in their life. It's always somebody else's fault. It's a lot of victim mentality and blame shifting. Well, they tend to find people and get along better with people who do the very same thing because they absolutely are not comfortable with being called out on those kinds of things. If you were to pose the question of, well, what responsibility did you have in that dynamic? That conversation wouldn't go well. Here's another thing. Number three, Wounded people tend to not recognize their controlling behaviors and therefore they will gravitate towards people who are tolerant of that controlling behavior. Passive aggressive is a real common one there. Well, they need other people to lack boundaries kind of again, but who are tolerant of that controlling behavior, they're comfortable with it, they're familiar with it, it's their part of their norm, so that they can kind of still have that dynamic with each other. Which what does not work out is when somebody does not allow that controlling behavior to continue on and they call them out on it, it doesn't go well. Here's one last thing. Wounded people tend to fall in love reactively and they need somebody who would be tolerant of that, who would also be willing to fall in love very, very quickly. I am here to tell you that that is more about control and validation and less about love. Love takes time to develop and does not happen immediately. Infatuation does. That could be true. But typically these people are in love with the way that that relationship is making them feel about themselves, which is the validation I'm talking about. They're in love with the idea of what this is. They are in love with how this makes them feel about themselves, but they are not in love with you. And they are going to need to find somebody and look for people who will quickly fall in step with that idea of falling in love reactively very, very quickly. So the reason I share all of that <laughs> with you is because a lot of those things were things that very, that were red flags to me immediately. I very quickly began to realize that 
he did not have boundaries and he was not respectful of the fact that I did. Matter of fact, he attacked my boundaries and shifted that to be something that was about my wounding. I didn't actually feel like that that was true at all. He didn't take personal responsibility for things and of course was uh, blame shifting. And so the way he told stories was always in victim mode. And as I began to ask him down the road about that, he was very, very defensive with me about it and really actually attacked me. I mean, verbally attacked me about how dare I question him about these things. Here's some of the things that I found. He wanted to be the most important thing in my life and told me so and was very resistant to anything that I did that made him feel like he wasn't the most important thing in my life. Now, one real big problem with that is, is that my children are the most important things in my life. (laughs) Not the dude I'm dating. So, but there were expectations he had about how I needed to validate him. If I was resistant to that, I was not honoring him. He did not have boundaries. Come to find out, sure enough, I was right. He didn't have boundaries and he attacked mine. Not only did he attack mine, but like I said, he attacked mine as as if my boundaries were issues that I had with distrust based on past relationships that I was projecting on him. But the other thing is he was totally resistant to any other idea or thought and absolutely felt that he knew for sure what my motives would always have been. When I did question him about oversharing and the fact that maybe time and allowing the relationship a little bit of time to organically grow, he was very, very defensive with me and said that I was being distrusting him and I was holding him accountable for why my marriage didn't work out. Immediately he was in love. And when I questioned him about whether he, how he knew he was in love with me or just in love with the idea or whether this was just reactionary type of love, he was, had a very, very strong reaction to that because how dare I question his love, which really I was trying to understand it because it seemed so quick to me. So as you can see, in every one of these circumstances, I was having this red flag and this gut feeling that something wasn't right. And I couldn't quite put my finger on all of it at first because here's the thing. He was also very, very eloquent with how he would be repentant and sorry for how he acted. And being a person who wants to give people the benefit of the doubt and understand that we make mistakes and and we're all in a, in a journey of growth and healing and whatever, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then things would be fine for a month and or six weeks or whatever. And then something else would happen and it would blow up and the same cycle would happen all over again. And I began to recognize that we had some very serious issues here in this relationship. And this was abusive. And there's all kinds of psychological terms that we could use, and I'm not going to go into all of that. 
The reason why I share that with you and tell you about this story is because as those of you who have been divorced, who are single parents, and you are finding yourselves uh, dating again, you know, it is really, really important to develop the ability to filter out, to discern, and to evaluate characters that we see in people and character traits. And here's the thing that is so important. I ended that relationship over the exact red flags I saw on the very first date, including the small little nuance of me backing my chair up and him pulling his chair in. The more I tried to back up, the more he was pushing in, almost to push himself on me, to confirm that next date immediately, and to be kind of pushy with that, and to even call me back 30 minutes later after that date and and not even really give time to allow some of all of that to just simmer. <laughs> and it was kind of like all, it felt like it was just so fast and shoved down my throat, like big red flag, right? Here's what I want to share with you. And here's something I think is so important to teach our children. We need to trust our gut. That was probably a time in my life where my stomach was sick all the time. (laughs) My gut was a mess. Because deep down inside, I was still unsettled about this thing. I was seeing things that I was, that I knew wasn't right, but I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what to call it, what to name it, what it was, and to understand it fully. Cause I didn't, I hadn't had a relationship that was quite this way. I had relationships that weren't healthy and weren't good and whatever, but not quite in this way. And I was still trying to connect the dots. But the truth is, is that when your gut is trying to say, "Mm, this just doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right, rather than spending eight months to be sure that you can clearly define it all, (laughs) maybe we could save ourselves some time and to recognize that when our gut is telling us that there's red flags here, that we actually don't have to understand in great detail every bit of it. Maybe it's just the wrong person for us. And the ability to kind of more quickly filter out and discern and evaluate some of these things and to recognize this just for whatever reason is not meshing with me and I don't have to fully understand, define, and be able to write a term paper on it. I can just move on and go, next. Too many red flags. Next. But what I did really learn, if there's anything to really learn through all of that, is that time was my friend. That character, true character, is going to leak out over time. It eventually leaks out. And time allows us an ability to witness behavior 
and not just listen to words. And it gives us an opportunity to see what they do with our no. And when we question some things and to see if they are writing checks emotionally, emotional checks that can be cashed or not to see if the funds are sufficient or not. We need to look for people who are anchored over time. Hey moms, I want to read that again. We need to look for people who are anchored over time. We need to teach our children that time is their friend. And we need to teach them how to filter out and discern and evaluate character. And to recognize things that might be red flags and to listen to their gut and to go with that and to discern something inside of me doesn't quite feel right with this. Let me hold back. Let me be really cautious and really careful with this. Because I could save my time, myself a lot of time and a lot of hurt and a lot of frustration. And while there were things I learned in that relationship, there was also a lot of wounding I had to get over. So it's not all in vain. It gives me a, a, a good podcast to share with you. It gave me some excellent learning opportunities with my children We learn the hard way, unfortunately, sometimes. It's called experiential learning. But on the other hand, what I would like to to share and leave with you today is, moms, go with your gut. Go with your gut. Do not second guess yourself when you feel like maybe there's a something here that doesn't just fit you right. Now, I'm not saying this person is a bad person but it wasn't a good combination for me. That I know for sure. So I hope that gives you, at my expense of of sharing some things, uh, that I learned the hard way. And I I have never uh, repeated that again. I have been on many other first dates and very, very quickly walked away from things that I saw on the upfront that gave me red flags. And I even left things that, I mean, I just was like, hey, this, I don't know what, why to tell you, but this just doesn't feel like a good fit for me. And I just trusted my gut. And that felt so much better than spending months and months and months trying to do the square peg round hole thing. Like, I didn't need to define it all and to be able to uh, back it up with resources and all of this. I just needed to go with my gut. My gut was telling me from the very beginning. And I just needed to listen to that. So I hope this helps. Moms, these are valuable things for you as you begin to date again and and to invest yourself in relationships. Dads, it's the same thing for you because this same scenario can be reversed. But it's also, as parents, something that's really important for us to teach our children and our teenagers as they start to date, our young adults as they begin to date. These are valuable lessons. And I cannot tell you, uh, say enough about the book, Safe People, how to find relationships that are good for you and how to avoid those that aren't. 
by Cloud and Townsend. Well worth the investment, well worth the read, and something that I think we need to teach our children about. All right, I hope you guys have a fantastic day and I want to be sure that you know how to find me. I am going to link in the show notes my email, places I hang out, and I would love to be able to stay in better contact with you through my weekly newsletter that I have. I am going to attach a link for that so that you can have it. It also comes with a free PDF on how to chill the crap out so you do not lose your crap on your kids. You've heard me talk about that if you've listened to the previous episodes. And so I have all kinds of goodies for you I would love to share. So I will connect all of that to the show notes. Be sure to go and check the show notes. Again, thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled to death to have you listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. Please leave comments. Please rate it. uh, Thumbs up, stars, whatever it is. And don't forget to subscribe. I do not earn a penny from this podcast, but it does help other mothers and other parents to find this podcast and to be a resource and a source of encouragement and support to them. And by the way, share this with your friend. Share it with your mom friend, a guy friend, anybody who is single, who is also raising kids. Maybe it's even someone who isn't a parent at all. These things are universal and can be used in so many different relationships. And if you know somebody that you think that this would be helpful for, please feel free to share it. Thank you so very much. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.